giving. That's right, money and giving. And Paul the Apostle talks about that today in the Bible. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And the Bible is a great book because it covers all the aspects of life. And one of the aspects is giving. We'll talk about that in about five minutes time. But first, Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? Well, today I'm gonna to be looking ahead to 2 Corinthians chapter three, where Paul contrasts the old covenant with the new covenant. All right, very good. Look forward to that, Janice. Well, it's Friday. So we have a fun-filled question for you. And I know that Dylan, and Ellen are going to get the answer right today. I just know it. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from Romans chapter 13 through 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I hope you're ready. All right. Pay attention, Greg. It's coming to you. We're talking to Ray Craddock uh, a little bit later on. Good to see you, Ray. Nice to be with you guys again today. Let's hear what God says in the Bible. First Corinthians 16, 1 through 11. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, Whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 11. First Corinthians chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. This is a a great passage today to read as we continue going through the Bible. It is very, very exciting. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we focus on Paul gives instructions. Giving to the saints, giving to the work of God. And uh, if you don't have your Bible guide, why not? You can write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the guide. It'll take you to a page. And thank you for your donations. We very much appreciate them right now but it'll take you to a page in which you can get the PDF file exactly how we, how we printed it. It's very, very important. Anyway, so uh, you can turn to that right now. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand exactly what it is that you're teaching us to do here today. You know, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that we would hear you. Amen. You know, although Paul was a Jew, 
He was trained in the law. He understood that the church in Corinth was largely made of Gentile believers. Interestingly, unlike how he was raised, Paul wrote to them as family members. He gives them instructions on giving as well as his travel plans as he desired to see them. Paul took the letters he wrote to the churches very seriously. He understood the power that the church would have in the future and worked hard to keep it focused in the right direction. Giving, giving was a big part of that training. Jewish culture understood giving to God, but the pagan culture did not. Paul is careful to point out to the believers in Corinth that they should always pay attention to the way they give and why. As Paul today, when we give to our church or to a ministry, we're actually giving to God. Giving to God. What does that mean? As we think about this and we focus on this giving, we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is Paul's last chapter in the 1 Corinthians in that book. And he says this, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. He's being consistent. Verse 2, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now, understand that Paul instructs the church how to organize and set aside their offerings. That's an instruction of worship. It's an instruction to the church. Giving can be a hard part of serving God, but it reveals what is in our heart, beloved. It reveals what's inside our heart. We need to understand that. We need to get it. And so as we focus on this, Let's learn something about giving. And I know that uh, in the American culture, the Canadian culture, and some of the European culture, you know, money's everything. But let's think this through. God is saying, I want you to focus on what you're doing because the money that God has given us through our work and our, all of the things we do, he's given us. It's actually his money. Now, I, I just, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but let's go back to the scripture in chapter 16, verse five. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there, may, there are many adversaries, okay? Paul says he reveals his desire to come and be with them in Corinth. But for now, he will stay in Ephesus because of their good response to the gospel. Understand that Ephesus responded to the good news of Jesus Christ, and they were hungry, beloved. They they wanted more. They wanted more. And so Paul decides to stay there. 
you know, Paul's trips are in the New Testament. We'll read about it, of course, again uh, next year. We go through the book of Acts. But Paul's trips are amazing because the Holy Spirit is directing him. And there are places he stays. And one of the places he stays for a long time is Ephesus. That's where we get Ephesians 6, the body armor of God and all that stuff. So very interesting. We'll get to that later on. Let's go back to the scripture and read this. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. Okay, that's very important because he's sending Timothy. For he does what the work of the Lord, he does the work of the Lord as I also do. He's like Paul. He's one of Paul's disciples. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. All right. The third point, Paul speaks to Corinth with obligation. <laughs> he says, the church is not isolated, but members of the body of Christ. You know, there's, there's this tendency for the church, and I'm going to take a minute and explain this. There's this tendency for the church today to become denominational, where our denomination, our denomination, I'm Baptist, I'm Pentecostal, I'm this, I'm that. But God is not denominational. Did you hear me? God is not denominational. Denominations are meant to accelerate aspects of God. If you take the denominations and you put them together, who truly love the Lord and obey the Bible and respect the word of God, then you will find all the aspects of Christ. Absolutely. And so, beloved, we need to, to not continually isolate ourselves from each other. This can best be described in the church that's persecuted. And there's more persecuted today than ever has been before in history. And the, church, the persecuted church, you don't, you, well, you can't persecute me. I'm Pentecostal. You can't persecute me. I'm, but they don't care. They're going to come after you because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, none of that matters in the persecuted church. We need to come to the place in North America. We need to come to the place where we stop with all that and we say, we follow the Bible. We follow Jesus Christ. We give to the work that the Bible supports. We give to the work that the Lord has called. And as we give to that work and as we support the work of God, things begin to change. Now, that's what I believe we need right now. We need people to understand that and get mobilized in that direction. Father, help us today in this world at this time to move ourselves into a new place of thinking, thinking about you and thinking about the word of God and understanding it. Help us today because Lord, if we don't, things are gonna get really bad really fast and it'll be over. So help us Father in Jesus name. And we said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And I know our reading today is 1 Corinthians 13 to 16, but I actually want to jump ahead a little bit to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul compares and contrasts God's old covenant with his new one in Jesus Christ. And so my segment today is just going to highlight some of these. So let's get to it. In the third chapter of Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, he makes several important contrasts between God's old covenant given through Moses and his new and superior covenant in Jesus Christ. He begins by noting that while the old covenant was physically engraved on tablets of stone by God, the new covenant is spiritually engraved on tablets of human hearts by God's Holy Spirit. Paul probably has in mind here the prophecy of Jeremiah 31, which promises a new covenant where the will of God will be written on people's hearts. Paul understands the church as the fulfillment of this prophetic vision. Paul also notes that while the old covenant brought condemnation and death, the new covenant brings righteousness and gives life, because, as Dr. Charles Stanley puts it, the law revealed God's righteous requirements to us, standards we could never hope to meet on our own. The Spirit, on the other hand, gives us life because He draws us to faith in Christ's provision on the cross. A third contrast Paul makes is that while the Old Covenant certainly came with glory, the New Covenant came with greater glory, surpassing glory even. Although the Old Covenant came with such glory that the Israelites could not even look upon the radiance of Moses' face, by comparison, the New Covenant came with even more glory. These lesser and greater glories can be likened to the lesser and greater lights. The moon is radiant, but if the sun is up, the moon no longer seems bright. Another thing Paul notes is that while the Old Covenant was temporal and passes away, the New Covenant lasts. Even though the face of Moses shone radiantly with the glory of the Lord as a result of being in his presence, this glory eventually faded. However, the glory of the New Covenant doesn't fade away, but rather increases until the believer gains through resurrection a glorious body like Christ. According to Paul, this fading glory of the Old Covenant is actually the main reason why Moses veiled his face from the people, that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Sadly, this veil, which symbolizes a spiritual dulling or blindness and even unbelief, still remains on Israel to this day because they have rejected the one who took the veil away. As Paul says, this same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away only in Christ. As a matter of fact, Moses did not have the confidence or boldness of Paul because the Old Covenant was veiled. It was shadowy. It was made up of types, pictures, symbols, and mystery. Moses communicated the glory of the Old Covenant with a certain obscurity. In contrast, believers under the New Covenant can be bold and confident because the obscure types and shadows have been gloriously revealed in the substance and person of Jesus Christ. In this spirit of boldness, John MacArthur actually goes so far as to say that without Christ, the Old Testament is unintelligible. But when a person comes to Christ, the veil is lifted and his spiritual perception is no longer impaired. With the veil removed, believers are able to see the glory of God revealed in Christ. They understand that the law was never given to save them, but to lead them to the one who would. So to review, Paul notes that first of all, the old covenant is physically engraved, but the new covenant is spiritually engraved. Secondly, the old covenant brought condemnation and death, 
but the new covenant brought righteousness and eternal life. Third, the old covenant came with great glory, but the new covenant came with an even greater glory. Fourth, the old covenant was meant to be temporary, but the new covenant is eternal. Fifth, the old covenant was veiled in shadows, symbols, and types, but the new covenant unveiled those types and shadows in the substance and person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's great, Ryan. Excellent. Um, you know, it's important that we understand that Jesus Christ is ready now. If anybody wants to know him, if you want to know Jesus Christ, you call on his name. He's as close as the mention of his name, and he will come to you, and uh, as he did with all of us here. Uh, Janice, let's get right to the question. Yes, okay. Well, Ray, I'm going to invite you to help Ryan answer this question today because our, <laughs> it's our gift. special gift, our special guest, since our daughter Corey is on maternity leave, yes. it would normally be brother and sister, but we're going to ask you to help Ryan. And Rod, you can chip in too if you want. I know that there's a lot of you at home getting ready. Greg, Here's the question. Ready. And Dylan and Ellen, they've got yes, this Dylan, today. I know it. Ellen? From Greg. whose household... Did Paul get a report that there were problems in the church at Corinth? From whose household? Did Paul get a report that there were problems in the church at Corinth? Number one, Chloe's household. Number two, Aquila's household. Or number three, Phoebe's household. Was that from Chloe, Aquila, or Phoebe's household? Which one of these households did Paul get? I would think yeah, I know we've, the answer. We've conferred on this. Yes, conferred. Yes. Yeah, do you want to go ahead and answer that? <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, Ryan. I've just been... We've conferred. Go ahead. <laughs> we've conferred and I've just been thrown under the bus. Yeah. Um, Chloe. Chloe, if you guessed Chloe, you are absolutely right. And you always have to check me out. Make sure. 1 Corinthians 1.11, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Very good. Mm. Very, very good. And you at home. Early church, well. there were problems. Very interesting. Because um, there's people. Not much has changed. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about you as a 17-year-old coming to know the Lord after a sister of your friend talked to you five nights. You went to church. You got saved. You gave God uh, the attention, but then he stopped you and he said, I need all of your time. Now you went to Bible school two years. Yes. And now you get out and you're pastoring a church. Where did you pastor? Bristol, England. You pastored the, in Bristol? Yes, on the west side. Uh, we had a church of about uh, 400 and some odd people in those days. And one of the things that we did while I was there is the church was sitting on a corner and then it was surrounded by houses and then we had a back parking lot. So over a period of time, what we did is bought all the houses so that we could build a bigger church. So we hmm. built all these houses, bought all these houses, knocked them down, and then built a bigger church Very on the, on good, the side. It was, yeah. it was really quite an effort. I remember one guy said, I'm not moving, because he knew what we were doing. So I knocked on his door one day, and I said to him, Mr. Bloggs, I can't remember his name now, I said, um, where do you want to live? He said, well, I'd like to live over in that area. I said, okay, we'll buy you a house there, and you sign your house over to us. And he agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so he was but the last he person. He didn't want to move because no. he knew that you guys were building. Exactly. Well, that's excellent. You were there for how many years? Three years. And then I moved to Los Angeles. I was invited to go to Los Angeles. The United States of America. Yes. Worked with a uh, missions organization. And so I spent another three years in Los Angeles working with a missions organization. I pastored a church in Los Angeles. We ran an orphanage in Honduras, Central America. Mm -hmm. 
So it was quite an interesting time. Now, let's let's come back to this because you ended up going back to school because you didn't like school. I didn't like school. And this is the strange thing, Rod. I, uh, so when my time in, in America came to an end, I, the, the Lord was speaking to me very clearly about going back to England because a member of my family was going to die. That's what he told me. And uh, th- that in itself is a long story. But, uh, but I eventually came back to England and my grandfather died. And he was really more like my father. So I had to take care of everything because my mother was ill at that stage. I got a letter from the denomination I was with at the time. They said, we want to offer you this church in Birmingham, England. Uh, And I said, no, I don't think so. One thing that Bible college doesn't do, doesn't teach you about human nature. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I signed up for a course with the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children and studied with them for a year and then became a child abuse investigator and family social worker. So you're a child abuse investigator and family association? Yeah. Really? So how did that, what did you do after that? Did you go back to church? Well, actually within that period, I planted a church. So that, that piece of, that call is still in you. Although you may feel like you're changing direction for a reason, and I'm sure God took me in that direction for a very clear reason. I planted a church in the town that I was living in at that time. And so I worked as a frontline caseworker for seven years, carrying about 40 high-risk high cases a day and um, saw, saw some awful things. And with the, with the children and with all of the work that you're doing, um, we have to remember that you came off the street as a young man with yeah. weapons. Yes. And you came into this and God is using you now as a counselor. Yes. Um, and you were able to help people. What's one example in which you helped somebody? Well, it's interesting. You make a very valid point because I'm as a, as a young teenager, I escaped court. But as a social worker in, in child protection, I'm in court almost every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, One case where um, a young child, I I received a call one night of a young child um, who was uh, left alone in their their home. So I went to the house and a little girl answered the door. She was about six years of age. I says, mommy and daddy in. She said, no. I said, "Um, do you have a, a, a brother? And she said, yes. I said, can I come in and see him? Now, I'm a total stranger. She said, yes. So I go in there and there's this young child. He's three years old in a cage. He's been caged up since he was a baby because he was rejected at birth. So uh, he had long hair, long fingernails. Skin was white as a sheet almost. He'd not been exposed to any sunlight, emaciated. So I busted the cage open and took him to hospital, put him under a place of safety order. And the parents were eventually prosecuted as a result of that neglect. And this is what you saw on a regular basis? On a regular basis. How, Children, long did you, how long did you do that? Well, I did that for seven years. And then I moved over to the education department and ran the education social work department and wrote their child protection procedures and, and was a consultant in child protection as well as managing various teams in social work. So the child protection services uh, is written by you? Yes, that, in that in that, in, in that county. Um, when when you did you have much contact with churches in oh, the city? Oh yeah, I, I, I mean I continued that. I was still pastoring all the time, and then I went on a missions trip 
to, I took a, I took a vacation, went on a mission trip to South Africa in 1986. Um, and in 1986, I met a young couple that we eventually joined up with to start Europe's first Christian television channel. But 1986, April was extremely important. That was where I had a direct encounter visibly with an angel. Really? Yes. It okay. was amazing. Now, what happened? Okay. We had two, my friend and I had been ministering in a drug rehabilitation center in uh, Hillbrow, South Africa, Johannesburg. We came out, it was about midnight or just after. We're walking down this long road to get back to our car and two guys tried to assault us. And as they tried, they threw themselves back and they were looking over our shoulder. Now, up till then, the streets were clear. There wasn't a person uh, uh, visible anywhere. They, and then they walked around us and they ran off. And we turned around thinking they were going to get us from the other side. And as close as you are to me now, Rod, is a police officer. I looked at my friend John. Where did he come from? You know. Anyway, he's standing there until these guys went out of sight. And that was about a minute, a minute and a half, maybe. So that's a long time. That police officer turned around, he looked at us and he smiled and then vaporized before our eyes. <laughs> You're kidding. I kid you not. <laughs> Psalm 91, <laughs> he will give his angels charge over you. Hmm. So we obviously we found out actually that the church back home that we were that I was pastoring at the time was praying for us during that trip. So he was there for about a minute and a half. That's a long time. So it's not an imaginary, um, imaginary yeah, thing. And then he was gone. And then he was gone. And literally vaporized, gone. We're going to talk more about this and some other things uh, and about the Axe Network and, and about the Axe organization, all of that. Well, on the next program, make sure you call your friends and tell them that Ray Craddock is with us. Uh, it's going to be a good time. I want to invite you to Facebook and YouTube, Bible Discovery TV and BibleDiscoveryTV.com on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30, where we have a prayer meeting and uh, we pray for you and we'll do it live. And uh, we've done that live for a couple of years now. And the Lord helps us and blesses us in Jesus' name. Come to us and uh, let's pray together. Father, today we pray, help us to remember that there are many others in the church who believe in your word and help us to work together today.